So we come to a close in Romans chapter 16, the 16th chapter in the book of Romans. And I thought about what to, to kind of call this chapter. Most chapters have a theme. And really, as you read through it, it kind of says, say hi for me. That's really, really what this chapter's about. And we'll get into it. But uh, this guy said, when I moved into my new igloo, my friends threw me a housewarming party. Now I'm homeless. <laughs> but it's been shared. People do not care how much you know until they know how much you care. So in the first 15 chapters of Romans, Paul really talked about the things that he knew. Paul knows his stuff. He knows his doctrine. He knows the teaching. He knew Jesus. He knew how salvation worked. But there's a lot of people that know a lot, but they wouldn't give you the time of day. You know, a lot of actors. I was reading about this uh, young actor, um, Corey Haim. Okay, he was an 80s actor. And he congratulated an older actor. He, he wanted to congratulate him. He said, wow, you did really well. And the older actor took this little kid basically up against the wall by the collar and basically threatened the little kid for talking to him. You know, there's a lot of people that they're really good at what they do. They don't care about you. And I was like, I can't believe that. But Paul wasn't like that. He wasn't one of these people that would just tell you all this great stuff and didn't have time of day for you. The 16th chapter shows how much he cares. The first 15 show how much he knows. I remember that there was a sister that came to church some years ago before she moved to Hawaii and Pastor Jones, Reverend Jones was going to come through, and some of you have met him, and preach. And later she shared, she was kind of skeptical of like the higher ups in an organization. Because you know the local pastor is usually nice, but that higher up is usually some like business minded, you know, more corporate. But she said she was basically impressed that it wasn't like that. He was a loving, caring, whatever he said and whatever he did, she was impressed. So... It doesn't matter how high you go in God. If you're a godly man or a godly woman, you're going to have a heart for people. That's what the gospel's all about. In fact, people should not be obstacles. They should be opportunities. So well, that guy's got a rotten attitude or this. Well, it's an opportunity to invite him to church. It's an opportunity to show him your good attitude. Amen. So if you read this, it sounds like the end of a letter to friends. And even not Friends the rerun or there's some remake or something like that. I'm not talking about that. But, but Jesus said in John chapter 15, he said, henceforth, verse 15, John 15 and verse 15. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I've called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. And that's something that Jesus called us a friend. The Bible says we have a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So if you read the first around 16 verses of chapter 16, and this is still kind of an intro, there's 25 names in there. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to say some of them wrong, okay? They're not like Bob and Jim. There are some interesting names, Okay. But plus, it's like say hi to this one and their mom and their sister and their brethren and the church. So Paul is mentioning a, a pile of people in here that he knows and he cares about. 
And so let's let's begin. Uh, we start with the first two verses. Uh, we're dealing with a recommendation. A recommendation. Verse 1. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is in Centria, which is in Corinth. That's where this was written. And you know that some people... I, there was a, a source that I read, and it said that perhaps it was she that carried the letter, all 16 chapters that we read, from Corinth to the church in Rome. She may very well have been the bearer of this epistle, and that's why it's talking about her. We don't know that for sure, but it kind of fits. That ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succour of many and of myself also. So she was a visitor to Rome from Corinth. She was a servant. The word is deacon. She was, I thought all deacons were men. No, that's not true because she was too. If you look at the Greek of that word and there are a lot of women that work in the church and in, in those days, a deacon wasn't uh, so much a preacher uh, for a lady uh, and there were different rules in the early church perhaps, but uh, she would visit people in hospitals and take care of people and, and no doubt took care of Paul because he said, she helped me too. And a succour means like an assistant or a helper or a protectress. She was a real blessing. And she might have been a woman of means. Not everyone that comes to church is like going check to check. There are some very well, uh, 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 some very wealthy people that serve God. And it said... She had a blessing with her. What was her blessing? Well, Paul gave her a recommendation. Now, Paul had some weight in the early church. <laughs> and notice what he said. Receive her and assist her. So receive her in the Lord. She's a good sister. That's what he said. He's a good brother. He's a good sister. That means a lot. If someone calls me and said, hey, this brother's coming to Jacksonville, they're a good brother. And what does that mean? Just you know, open up and be a blessing. Now notice what he said. Assist her in whatsoever business. Personal business, family business, her secular business. Say, hey, help her in whatever way she needs it. She's a blessing. I was like, wow, that's like carte blanche, right? And uh, so we see that she heads into Rome. And it's interesting. We start with the lady. Isn't that interesting? So a lot of men were greater than women you don't read the gospel <laughs> so in galatians chapter 3 and verse 28 for there is neither jew nor greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for you're all one in christ jesus men walking around thinking they're better than women or women thinking they're not as good as a man if we're in christ we are all one and it's interesting because as you read the word of God, you'll see that, you know, men and women have their parts in a marriage, but God made us all one in Christ. We are his people. Verses three to five. So this married couple, Priscilla and Aquila, they're always mentioned together. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute. Okay, let's go. Well, 
I don't want to get to that next part first. Uh, so in the beginning of verse 5 and 4 and 3, we, we read about this married couple that, that were helpers with Paul. They were tent makers, and Paul met them, and they were fellow uh, workers with Paul and Christ Jesus in the work. And I like that. It says, their necks. They had shared sacrifice. Their house. They had shared hospitality. Isn't that? They're always mentioned together. And I like what one person said. They said, you know, when you get married, you should be French. So what do you mean? Well, you know, it's yours and mine and hers and his. When you get married, it should be wee wee. And that's what they were. They were always together. And yes, you do different things in a marriage. But, you know, you work for your wife and the wife works for her husband. You work together and you bless each other. My wife is down in another city right now. And uh, the other day I was at this hotel and I was like, wow, I didn't know they had, you know, phone chargers like the Apple phone charger for your phone, like at the place. So I plugged my phone in right by the bed. And later I asked my wife, did you plug my charger in? She said, I did. I said, thanks. I thought it was just part of the hotel. Like, man, this is a cool hotel. They have a charger right for you. Well, she had done it for me. Why? Because husbands and wives serve one another. We, we. And that means that husbands can do the dishes. And, and wives can take out the trash. I mean, it's like, I know it's like a national law that you can't like do that. But yes, we can each do the other person's job. Why? Because we are a team. And uh, it says the church that is in their house. You know, I got saved in a house. I, I got, it was, it was in a, a church service, but it was in a house. And uh, really, you know where church is? Wherever God is. That's where, that's where I want to be. I want to be, whether it's in a conference and we have a big, huge church. What were there? I don't know, 800, 500. There were a pile of people in there. And we had church. Or it's in a beautiful cathedral in Graham. We have this beautiful, uh, beautiful church building. Man, I want to be there. But I want to be where God is because that's where I'm going to get a blessing. And I, I am reminded of in 2 Samuel, David was not transporting the Ark of the Covenant correctly. And he put it on this cart, and it almost fell off, and this gentleman went to uh, uh, steady it because the oxen stumbled. And God struck him dead because you weren't supposed to touch the ark if you're a regular guy. And so David said he, he basically, you know, he got some fear in him, the fear of God in him, and he said, well, I, don't, I can't take this right now. And he, he had it delivered to this guy named... Uh, the house of Obed-Edom. So Mr. Obed-Edom. And he was a Gittite. So basically David's like, hold on to that for me. I don't know what to do. So 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 11. Now, the ark represented the presence of God. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months. I like this. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. And it was told King David saying, the Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. Not because it was a big church building, but because the presence of God was there. Everything, 
said, preacher, but I want you to bless my house. Now, I've done that for people. People ask me to come, go to different rooms in their house and bless them. There's nothing wrong with that. But let me tell you how to biblically bless your house. You put the presence of God in your house. Your house will be blessed. Around your house will be blessed. The fruit of your house will be blessed. Your, your pets will be blessed. So preacher, why? Because it says here, because and all that pertaineth unto him. If he had a lease that he owned like a, a beach house, it would be blessed. Why? Because the presence of God was in his house. Brethren, the presence of God is worth more than any other security system that you can have. Those are good, but take the presence of God. It's better than any vitamins. I have vitamins in the car, okay? Because I forgot to take them when I was traveling. The presence of God is better than any vitamins that you can have. Take those two if you need them, but the presence of God is better. So, uh, the church that is in their house. But then we go to verse, the end of verse 5. Salute my well-beloved Epinatus, who is the first fruits of, first fruits of Achaia, or uh, an area of Greece, unto Christ. He was one of the first people that God saved. One of these missionaries that I had read about, and I don't know if it was uh, William Carey uh, who went to India. It was like eight years before they had like one person get saved. Can you imagine that? Praying and praying and praying. First year, zero. Second year, zero. Third year, zero. And just keep going. But when that first one, it said first fruits. So I don't know if he was one of the, one of the first brethren to really hit the rock. So he was really special to Paul. The first fruit of the outreach. And notice all of these people are different to Paul. And really... Uh, you know, my wife and I will talk about people, different brethren are special in different ways. And, and so to the Lord and so to the Apostle Paul, these people had different relationships with him. Hello, God bless you. Romans chapter 16, verse 6. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. You know what labor is? Now, if you're a woman and you've had a baby, you know somewhat of labor. Because they call it going into labor when you have a child, right? Because why? What, it's, is it easy? No, it's hard. It's horrible. I mean, my wife was in labor for like 24 hours. If men had babies, and we're not equipped, okay? But if men had the equipment, there'd be no babies. Because men would be like, mm, 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 mm. I'm not doing that, right? There's a lot of labor. Well, the ministry is a labor. Labor is something that makes you tired. The word from the Greek means something that causes you to feel fatigued. People think, well, the ministry is just going to church. That's not the ministry. The ministry is running up and down streets and, and caring about people and going to the hospital at 3 a.m. The ministry is about going to that person's house and having them shut the door in your face, even though you work the 10-hour day. And they're like, I don't care about church. But the ministry is a labor of love. Mary bestowed much labor on us. Paul didn't forget that. You know, when you, when someone has a tender heart, right, and uh, you bestow labor on them, it's going to touch their heart. You might not think it, but they'll remember what you did for them. Verse 7. Salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen. These were some relatives, and I believe Junia is a guy's name, but I'm not really sure. And my fellow prisoners, they face some persecution as well, who are of note among the apostles, 
who also were in Christ before me. You know, it doesn't really matter, but do you ever think about like if you got saved before or after someone? I mean, just as, you know, it doesn't make you better or worse than them, but it just kind of puts you like when you're, you have an age, all of us do, right? And it helps you understand where you fit if someone is, if this woman is like 19, but she's really not, but she's right anyway. But if someone's 19 and someone's 25 and someone's 36, you know where to fit right in there, right? But he said, now Paul was the greatest preacher to wear shoe leather, but he said, oh yeah, they got saved before me. It was still something that he thought about. So anyway, just, just something to take note of. Greet Amplius, verse 8, my beloved in the Lord. And a lot of these things, you'll notice that when people are in the Lord, there's a special bond that's created. You're going to have a different relationship with someone who's a Christian than your own family. You're going to, I'm going to say that again. You're going to have a different level of relationship with someone who's a Christian than your own flesh and blood. Why? Because you're not only bonded by your, your flesh and your DNA, but you're bonded by your spirit, which is the Holy Spirit. It's a different level. So anyway, it's a real blessing to know real Christians. Salute Urbane or Urbani. Hey, Bane, Ur. I mean, you can imagine some of the nicknames, right? Our helper in Christ and Stachys or Stack or S or Tack. I don't know what they called this guy. Said, my beloved. Salute Apelles, verse 10. Approved in Christ. I like that. You ever submit an application and it gets sent back because it's disproved or you get rejected? He was approved not by Harvard, not by Princeton, but he was approved in Christ. This guy had like a gold level integrity, like platinum, okay? And the Bible says, when you have that high integrity, you know, brethren, if someone gives you that, don't lose it. That's a blessing. I used to work for some awesome folks, and uh, I had a good ad- I had a good uh, testimony or a good approval rating, okay? Isn't that something they do on OfferUp, approval ratings or something? They four stars, three stars. Well, this guy had five stars, okay? And my boss had some cool, he had a, like a Corvette stick shift, you know, with 400 horsepower. So the boss's wife had a cool BMW, and they let me drive them. Why? Because they trusted me. I was approved in, you know, their last name. And when you get approved, it opens up all kinds of doors for you. My wife and I got to do some remodeling. We, we did some work for some guy, and then we did, he recommended us to some other people. They didn't even know us. They just knew someone that knew us. And they, they let us do some, well, we did some work, and they, I think they paid us for it in St. Augustine. They had like this uh, condo or something next to a boat slip, but we also got to stay there in the condo for free. So they trusted strangers because of our reputation that came from someone else. Your reputation can go before you, whether it's good. Well, let's just keep it good. Let's just keep it good. And uh, it says, salute them which are of Astra, woo, Aristobulus's, Aristobulus's household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. There's another kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Now, he was talking the household of Narcissus, that were Christians. Say hi to the brothers from Narcissus' household. 
Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. I like this. Persis, which means a lady probably from Persia or modern-day Iran. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Three things. She worked, right? But then it said, she worked a lot. But then what kind or quality was her work? She worked in the Lord. You know, one day, people are going to talk about her life's and it might be a sentence, but man, wouldn't that be something to live a life where people will remember you? Yeah, I remember sister such and such. She labored much in the Lord. I remember brother such and such. They labored much in the Lord. What, what a testimony to leave down here on this earth. Salute Rufus. Rufus. That's what, you know, that's why I talked about dogs. What, what part of construction are they? Rufus, right? Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord. And his mother and mine. Doesn't mean that Rufus was Paul's brother. That means that Rufus's mom was like a mom to Paul. Maybe she nursed Paul back. Maybe she made some chocolate chip cookies. I don't think they existed back then. But she treated him like a son. Now, I don't know if you know this, but you probably do. There's a lady at church we call Mama Woods. Okay, she had that reputation of being a mama perhaps to other people than her children but there are people that you perhaps know and you kind of call them mom or something like that they might not be your biological mom but they treat you like a son or a daughter and those are blessed people to have in your life salute asyncritis that sounds like a disease that you can get it's like doctor i think i have some asyncritis in my one of my knuckles asyncritis and then i've been coughing some fledge on oh and I've got a, a hermes, like, uh, oh, it was a hernia, like a hermes, and a patrobus on the back of my head, and a hermes on, I can't bend my hermes. No, anyway, those are all the brethren. And the brethren which are with them. But interesting, notice this. Look at all these brethren with them. And I, I love to be around the brethren. I mean, I like to go to different places. You know, it's fun to visit, but I love to be around. Notice it says, the brethren with them. It's like this guy said, uh, I knew a little bit of Spanish, so there were some people from Spain, so I practiced on them and I said, Mucho! And they seemed really flattered, and they said it meant a lot to them. So. <laughs> but you know, it means a lot. Mucho! It means a lot for Christians to be around. One another. It means a lot. Mucho. Because we know that it's more than physical. It's spiritual. We're coming together. Two or three gathered together in his name. Salute Philo... Mm. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Again, another gathering of the brethren. Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. So Paul is saying not only the church in Corinth, but all the churches of Christ say, hey, hi for me. Now, in the Middle East and in a lot of the Eastern cultures, the holy kiss meant that you would come up to a person face to face and you would kind of move into them and you would touch your cheek to their cheek and, and kind of kiss them. And sometimes your lips wouldn't even kind of touch their cheek. But I don't know. Do they do that in Puerto Rico too? Side. It's very common, I think, in Europe as well. 
And men will do it basically to men, women to women, but you know, uh, relatives will do it. It's not a sexual thing. It's just, it's the way people greet you. A complete stranger will come up to you and, and, and then they will, and that's, and that's what he's saying. And that's what he means because we don't do that necessarily in America. I remember when I was in Jordan, this man came up to me in the Middle East and he goes, Adam, which is my first name. And he comes up and he goes like, Mwah. And I said, do not kiss me again. I mean, it's just not something that Americans have other men come up and kiss them. But, so, but it's, it is a custom for much of the world over. So that's what Paul was talking about. He wasn't talking about anything sensual, just that holy kiss and uh, a pure kiss. And for you to greet one another with purity in your heart. So he says, that's the fellowship you take. But then in verse 17, the fellowship you break. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. (laughs) You know, have you ever heard of the seven deadly sins? They're not in the Bible. Yes, they are. No, they're not. And you won't find them. But there are seven things God hates. And the Bible says that the seventh one is he that soweth discord. That means that they try to break the brethren up. And that's what Paul is talking about here. So you can read Proverbs 6, chapter 6, and find out the seven things that God hates. God hates them. And if you ever see this this person, you know, and they've got this real proud look, and they're a preacher or a Christian artist, God hates a proud look. So if they're advertising themselves with a big proud, God hates that. I mean, he didn't say he disliked it. He said they're an abomination. He hates that pride. So anyway, that was free. But anyway, so unfriend, unfollow, avoid. Just just stay away from them. Verse 18. For they are such that serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. So basically, they pretended like they were Christians, but really they were out to serve themselves. You know, belly is kind of a nasty God. Mine makes noises sometimes, and usually it means it wants pizza, right? But it's my belly can't serve me, it can't heal me. And, you know, I think serving God is a greater, you know, actually you can pray to the Lord and He can change your life. You can't pray to your belly. All you can do is feed it donuts and Krispy Kremes, okay? But you know what? Uh, anyway, mine wants pizza most nights. It talks to me. And I tell my wife, honey... I'm emotionally hungry, and I need pizza. So, but that's from my belly. So, verse 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. I like this. So, Paul didn't get into the negative stuff. He said, I want you wise on good things. In 1989, in the Bank of the Philippines, in Manila, Tellers would sit and count the currency. And one of the most exchanged bills in, in the world over is the U.S. $100 bill. It's just like the most common uh, exchanged bill. So this lady was counting. This is a true story. And um, the cashier said, something's up with this one bill. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right or something. So she sent it back to the Department of the Secret Service. And they had like the state-of-the-art counterfeit detection software. And she put it in a stack of bills, sent it back to the United States, made its way back there. They checked it out with their machines and said, this bill is 100% legitimate. It's a legitimate bill. And just sent it back to her. 
Well, the bills would keep coming from Manila every once in a while. So they said, wait, let's, let's check this bill a little bit harder. So they did. And so when a bill is made, they take this, this, uh, this uh, plate, an engraver actually engraves like this metal plate. And when they do that, they're like an artist, right? So they unwittingly put some things which the Secret Service calls defects, which are little marks. That they're, they're so small, but it's just not like a perfect plate, okay? And they can see if the defects are in there, if they really examine it to see if it's a real bill or counterfeit. And you know what they found out? It was counterfeit, not legitimate. It was on the right paper. It had the right ink, but it was not real. And it's something. This lady in Manila, who was probably counting it with her hands, knew what the Secret Service didn't know with all their machines. You know why? She was around real $100 bills all day long. And just something about that $100 bill wasn't right. And guess what? She was right. So we need to be wise concerning the truth. Man, get your heart full of the Bible. Get your heart full of the people of God. And what I need to do right now is, man, I need to finish this because I'm out of time. So let's go. Uh, Verse 20. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Satan is going to be defeated at the battle of Armageddon. That's seven years after the rapture. Christ comes back. It's called the second advent. The first advent is when he came born of Mary, a virgin. The second advent is when he comes back with the saints on those white horses. He's going to defeat Satan. And what is he going to do? Not the death penalty yet. He's going to lock him up, right? He's going to get tried in Oregon or something like that. So he's going to lock him up for a thousand years, for a millennium. And he's, Christ is going to set up his kingdom. After a thousand years, he's going to let Satan out. And then he's going to throw him in the lake of fire. Okay, so God's going to take care of it. That's, but he said shortly he's going to defeat him. He already defeated him spiritually on the cross. Physically, it's coming. That's what the Bible says. So Satan is not in charge of us. Christ defeated him on the cross. Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason. Now, these are the brethren who are saluting the church in Rome. Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sassipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, or who penned it for Paul, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and the whole of the whole church saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And this is awesome. And Quartus, a brother. Isn't this interesting? We start with Phoebe, a sister, verse 1. And we end with Quartus, a brother, in verse 23. Because you know what? The, the church is really made up of sisters and brothers. And I like, what did it say about Quartus? Quartus just means he was the fourth. You got the second, and you got Trey. And that's what Quartus means. He was the fourth. You know, so fourth in a generation, same name. But we begin and we end with personal names to equally high occupations, being a sister and being a brother. Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began. You know, God wants us to be established. You ever seen J.B. Weld? It comes in a, a resin and a hardener and you go... And you squirt it onto a piece of like, I don't know, plastic. And you begin to stir it up and it starts to stink and it starts to get hot. Nothing really happens for a few minutes. But then you start to notice it getting harder and harder. And it becomes so hard, it's like they call it steel. It's really not steel, but it's really, really, really hard. And you can, you know, put pieces of a car together or put... Have you ever used JB Weld? But you see, it takes time to cure 
So it's not immediately hard. And you know, a new Christian isn't immediately established. So if someone gets saved, they need time to cure. And you know, that's what Paul said. God's going to cure you. He's going to not harden your heart, but he's going to harden your resolve in Christ. So you're going to face some battles and they're not going to make you just quit serving God. But you know, the devil wants to get people before they're cured, before they're hard, before they're established in God. And that's what Paul wants to do, establish people in God. So I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Okay. Number verse 26. But now is made manifest the secret. What? Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen from the dead. And by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for obedience of faith. You know, you've got to hear the gospel before you can believe the gospel. And then before you obey the gospel, you've got to believe the gospel. But the key is the obedience of faith. That's what it's all about, brethren. To God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen.